My name's Chris Lane. And I'm Claire Cook. And this is the Not Forgotten Podcast. So in today's episode, we've got Andre with us and uh, we're going to be listening first of all to Michael Layden, who is the Dean of Emmanuel Theological College. And uh, Michael started off our conference by gathering us together and uh, bringing us some thoughts from a reading from Luke 7. So have a little listen to this and then stick around and afterwards, Chris and Andre and I are going to just share some of our thoughts on it and... uh, Hopefully you've got some good thoughts on that too. A reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 7. It's a weird one, but all will become clear, I think. Jesus is speaking. To what then will I compare this people, this generation? What are they like? They're like children in a marketplace, calling to one another, we played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We wailed, but you didn't weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, he's got a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at this glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Nevertheless, wisdom is vindicated by all her children. Let's pray. Merciful Father, will you send us the gift of your Holy Spirit? Will you speak your word to us that we uh, may come face to face with the living word, Jesus Christ? That we may love him and that because we love him, And because he loves us, we might be inspired to lead a fresh generation to him. Come Holy Spirit, be our teacher and our guide, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you've had a chance to look around the room yet. Go on. I know there's some weird people here, but um, isn't it a joy to see so many folk uh, Church planters, pioneers, bishops, uh, theologians. We love you, Bishop Lynn. Thank you for coming. Um, There's more coming tomorrow. Um, It's great when you can say, look what the Lord has done in gathering together people from all over the church, from a range of different backgrounds and experiences, with one goal and one heartbeat, which is to say, the corners of our society have not been forgotten by the living God and therefore will not be forgotten by his church. That's the best thing for me about being here with all of you is that you represent a sign that the church refuses to forget. The church refuses, at least here in this space, and all of the communities that you represent, and all of those future leaders that you will raise up and invest in and nurture, the church refuses to forget those whom God absolutely has not, will not, and never will forget. Isn't that good news? That's really good news, isn't it? 
I'm so grateful to uh, Claire and to Chris for heading this up uh, from the sort of Emmanuel half of things. Um, I should have said, I'm Michael Layden, by the way. I'm the Dean of Emmanuel Theological College, which is sort of a Church of England word for principal. Um, but I did absolutely nothing at all <laughs> towards this, other than say, wouldn't it be good if... And then found some people who could do it. And basically, I think Chris Clare got in touch with another couple of folk like Dave Champness, um, who um, does work with the Estates Group, and, and uh, Mark Powley, who now works the Archbishop of York, um, since very recently. And I think, basically, they just opened their address books and found all of their mates and said, come and play. Um, so I feel like a complete fraud, because I've basically come to play with all of your friends. So thank you <laughs> for letting me do that. Um, but it seems to me that this space, this room, represents that place of hope. It's the building of a network for the kingdom of God, a network that enables the Church of England to be what the Church of England claims it is, a Christian presence in every community, except we're not, are we? Not every community. There's work to do. And thank God there are workers in the vineyard. That's what this conference is about, bringing the workers together so we can see one another we know uh, where we are. We can hear some of the stories. Uh, and I've, I love the big emphasis on stories that we've heard so far. And I hope we'll be part of the next 24 hours. Being able to tell stories, not just of what you're doing, and God bless you, what you're doing is really important. Um, but I'm not that bothered about you in the sense that you can't save my soul. So I am bothered about what God is doing through you. And you, hopefully, the stories you tell about what you're up to are actually the stories of what God is up to. God who doesn't smell like hassocks or, or incense or whatever your churchmanship is. He might smell like your lanyard. Have anyone had a whiff of those yet? Just, if you've not done it, have a quick sniff. Some of them, yours is okay. One or two are properly rank. I'm not wearing one. If you've got a good one, <laughs> Jim at the back's got a really impressive lanyards. It's definitely worth a sniff before you leave. Uh, God is alive and kicking. He doesn't smell like old hassocks or incense or whatever your church smells like. He smells like life. To be in the presence of Jesus, the life-giving fragrance of Christ, uh, Paul calls it, doesn't he? The life-giving fragrance of Christ. And that, I hope, is what this is all about, being together with people who care about the forgotten corners because God has not forgotten. People are taking lanyards off now. I love this. You've obviously, you've whiffed it and gone, oh yeah. Just so that you all know, it's not, it's not Mike McGurk that smells. He's taken off his lanyards. <clears throat> it's not my archdeacon anymore. It's fine. The reason um, that reading from Luke's Gospel seems so pertinent to me when I was asked if I preach, and uh, Claire gave me the readings that were set for today in the Celtic liturgy, and that was one of them. And at first I thought, oh, that's really weird. Give me something easy. Make me look good. Uh, I'm a theologian. I'm supposed to say profound things, Lord. What are you doing? And actually, uh, this was weeks ago, and I've been sort of mulling them over. You know when you do and you can't really decide what you're going to say, but you need to say something? And uh, mulling it over prayerfully, obviously. And it seemed to me that that last phrase was so profoundly important in that reading. Jesus is talking about his mate, John the Baptist. His, if you know the story in Luke 7, he sent some of his disciples to Jesus with some questions. And Jesus is frustrated both with uh, those asking questions and those who don't take seriously John's prophetic voice. And he basically turns to the people, he says, make up your mind, what do you want? You've got a prophet who looks like a prophet, dresses like a prophet, smells like a prophet, sounds like a prophet, and when he speaks prophecy, you say he's demon-possessed. And then Jesus rocks up, 
who doesn't look like a prophet, smell like a prophet, or sound like a prophet. He hangs around with the wrong sorts of people in the wrong sorts of places, doing the wrong sorts of things. And you say, this guy is a sinner. So what do you want? And the whole point is that last verse. Wisdom will be vindicated by her children. In other words, you'll only see the truth. You'll only know that this was a good idea when you see that it bears fruit. And that did seem to me like the kind of thing that gathering together a bunch of pioneers and planters, of prophets, of speakers and doers of God's word, that we might need to hear from the Holy Spirit today. You're only going to know that this was a good idea when you see the children, when you see the fruit of what you're doing. Perhaps some of you, in some contexts, have heard the accusation of demon possession. You're ruining the church. You're doing it wrong. Perhaps you've heard the accusation that you hang around with the wrong sorts of people who don't know how to do it properly. I don't know what your context is like, and I don't know how well-supported and how well-loved you feel. But like Chris, I've heard the stories of how hard it is. And I've been a vicar, and I was a vicar that planted and tried to develop new forms of church in bits of our parishes where nothing had happened. So I've done some of that. I know some of how hard it is, but not like you. You'll only know that God was in it if you step forward with the Holy Spirit and you give it a go. You'll only know when it bears fruit, when it has children. Wisdom is vindicated. Vindication is always retrospective. It's always about looking back and saying, that was a good idea, wasn't it? Look at what's happened. But sometimes the challenge is being able to step forward in a church where the culture isn't always to step anywhere. (laughs) And I love the Church of England. Don't hear me as being snide. I spend my life training leaders for the future church because I really believe in it. It's not for the money, I promise you now. There are three words, as I was praying, that I thought might be useful to help us focus our attention. If wisdom is vindicated by her children, if it's going to be about looking back uh, to see that this was a good idea, what do we need to help us go forward? Well, the first, it's three C's because I'm an old-fashioned preacher, Um, so you'll be able to write them down or remember. The first is courage. The courage to break new ground. The courage to say where we are now is not where we need to be for the church to do its work of seeing our communities transform with the good news of Jesus. To seeing uh, the poor cared for, looked after, to see the forgotten corners remembered. We need courage, people who will step forward courageously and break new ground. And that's not about your tradition. That's not about uh, your theology. It's about... uh, your confidence in God. It's about our willingness to trust Jesus Christ. I think gathering together like this with other people who love the Lord and love the church and love the world for which Christ died builds my confidence that God is alive and kicking. Telling our stories, gathering our artists and poets, hearing our storytellers, Sharing what God is up to builds our confidence in the days when we perhaps feel knackered, overwhelmed, worn out, and exhausted. People of courage are those who are not confident in their own gifts and skills and abilities, 
but are confident in Jesus Christ. You have to be, really, because in the nicest possible way, you've got nothing. You know that better than most people. Pioneers and planters, you're the edgiest folk in the church, right? And at the edges, there are very few resources. In the margins, there are very few resources. Except it's kind of cheating, because at the edges and in the margins is where Jesus goes. And he's got, like, all the resources of heaven at his disposal. Perhaps that's why at the edges and the margins is often where the life is. Do you know that? Nod at me if you know that. Oh, good. Some of you don't know it yet, but we'll get you there. I used to be a Pentecostal. Work with me, people. I know this isn't very Anglican. I know this isn't very Anglican. We can be confident, not in ourselves, not in what we bring, but in Jesus Christ. That confidence allows us to be courageous. Because this isn't on you. It's not on the bishops. It's not on the church commissioners, although the bill for this is, thank God. It's on Jesus, and he hasn't forgotten. And he's faithful, and he's good. And all he's looking for is people who say yes and step forward with him. That's all. Now, that step is huge, right? Because it's safer. It's more comfortable. It's well known to stay with what we understand. Perhaps that's why my third C, if courage and confidence is what we need, is creativity. I love creative people. Hannah over there is brilliant. Um, I've known Hannah a little while, and I've seen a lot of what she does. And she paints beautifully and prophetically, and she listens to things. God knows what you're going to make of this sermon. She listens to things, and she's able to put in, into, into paper, into ways that um, connect with people in ways that my words, I'm a boring old academic, my words don't work, but her art, her creativity, you storytellers, um, you songwriters, you performers, we need creativity. We need people who will get into the slipstream of the Holy Spirit and figure out how are we going to connect with this generation? How are we going to connect with the corners of our world and our society that God has forgotten, that God hasn't forgotten, the church has sometimes forgotten, because God hasn't forgotten. If we're going to be courageous and confident in Christ, then we're going to have to think a bit differently. Now, you know that, but there's always more to be done, right? I'm really hoping, my prayer for this conference is it would be the sort of place where you have absolute permission to think, not just to rock the boat, but to smash the boats, don't think outside the box. Dismantle the box. Wisdom will be vindicated by her children. My hope is the Lord will take whatever conversations, whatever stories, whatever creativity, will take what is started here and will magnify it over the weeks and months and years ahead. That we become a church that's fit for the purposes of God. Claire's already mentioned that Emmanuel, we talk about being Christ-centered, hope-filled, and mission-orientated. And I can do the Christ-centered stuff. I kind of can explain that theologically. Um, and when I do, I put you know, three points. I'm a systematic theologian, so it's three in one, obviously. And then um, 
We can do the hope-filled stuff that we're not cynical or miserable, we're going to step towards the challenges and we're going to see transformation. The mission-orientated bit, I always leave the screen blank for students because that's the bit that I don't know. It's not that I don't care about mission. So I don't know what God is going to do because the mission of God is always ahead of us. It's always about stepping forward into what God has for us and has for our communities and God is looking for a people who'll say yes and will make that leap. Say yes and will take others with them. Say yes and not be overwhelmed, perhaps when parts of the church say, hmm, or even worse, no. Or when parts of the church say, I'm not sure that's what we pay you for, is it? It's not enough, so I'm doing it anyway. Um, Or when parts of the church say, we're scared because we don't know what this is going to look like. Fear paralyzes. That's why our confidence is in Jesus, because he is ahead of us. Wisdom will be vindicated by her children. So, I'm praying that God will give us courage to step forward and to raise many, many, many children for the kingdom. To step forward in the places that he hasn't forgotten and to say yes to what he is up to. And to learn from one another to share our stories and to joyfully receive the different ways in which God's big story is working its way out in your different contexts. I really hope that all of you go away with the same kind of excitement that I'm feeling now. Look what God is doing. Look what God is up to. And can we we say yes to God together, not just for the future, but for the church as it is now, to become the church it needs to be. Let's pray. Just hold this quiet for a few moments. Be attentive to what the Holy Spirit might be doing and saying to you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We pray uh, that you'll mould us and shape us, that we might look and smell and sound more like you. Lord, in your mercy, we ask you for a more courageous and a more confident and a more creative church. A church that will say yes to your future for us a church that will not be shackled or hampered by fear, paralyzed by the unknown. But because we know you and we know you are trustworthy, a church that will courageously step into your future, a church that will courageously step into those places in the margins of our society, Lord, that are so often forgotten, and yet you have not forgotten. Please, Father, would you by the wind of your Holy Spirit in the next 24 hours. Would you blow away the cobwebs in our hearts? Would you kindle in us the fire and passion for your mission? Would you give us courage uh, to be catalysts of change in the church today for the sake of your future? Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.
so I thought Michael did a great job of gathering us together at the start of the conference. I loved the fact that he um, picked up on that phrase that wisdom is vindicated by your children. Really enjoyed that, the sense that um, you only know if God's in it when you step back. Uh, sorry, when you step forwards to do something and then afterwards you look back and see that God was at work and that it was a good idea. Mm. <laughs> I really yeah. like that, that sense of, that it takes courage to do that. Yeah, and I think that was one of the main things for me, that thing about courage. Um, looking back over the stuff we've done over a lot of years and, th- and then working with loads of different church planters and pioneers over the last six years especially, it's... It's those little acts of courage that just, it's just about turning up. It's just about um, keeping going. It's about stepping out. And I think that was, that was I think, my, but, the, but the courage with the confidence. So Mike had, Michael had his, um, his three C's as a proper preacher. And um, the, it's, the courage, it's the courage with the confidence that is really key. Yeah. Do you and I... I really like, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's really good. And I also think this is something that people in this area of work can really teach the rest of the church. Because I think um, people can look at ministry on estates or church plant on estates and think, oh, how could we go in and help people? How can we help their ministry? Because they've got a lot, they haven't got enough resources and how can we, how can we benefit them? But I actually think from the conference and in this area in general, you know, these missionaries understand that you kind of just have to go and you have to rely on God and you have to not go with an agenda and you can't go with a strategy that worked well in a different area that can just be carbon copied. And they understand that and they understand that from the start. And it's, it really is relying on God. And I mean, for me, I'm always in that sense thinking about um, Jesus and how he's presented in John's gospel in particular. And he comes across, I think, more so than in other Gospels, of someone who is just praying to his father, spending time with him, and then responding based on that relationship. Mm. So his mum tells him to come and turn water into wine, or someone comes to him and says, Lazarus is dead, can you come, can you come along? Or he's just at the well, and a woman comes and draws water. He's not got an agenda. He's not trying to do what worked in the last village or last town. He's kind of just there, focusing on God, and then he's just responding to what's around him in a compassionate, godly, godly worldview sort of way. And I think you see that a lot here, and that came across in the conference. They weren't saying, this is our big idea, you should all mm. copy me. It was, how do we dig into God more? And I think, yeah, to have Michael really remind us about that at the start was really helpful. And I think just that thing, it's so great. I love the way you've just grounded that in the scriptures and in, in John's gospel because so many times we'll tell our stories like we did at the conference and, and, and at the heart of it all is how do we hear, discern um, and then put into practice what God is doing and saying. How do we see what God is doing in someone's life? And how do we then um, follow that? And, and that stuff about, you know, I, I do what I see the Father doing that Jesus says in John. Um, it's such a key to 
ministry in general and and particularly in places where often um, there are things change very quickly things happen very suddenly um, and and you can't predict you know you, you could make a three-year plan but it, it will never work out like that and um, and so that skill and ability to be able to go okay this has all changed now in mm. in one day and yet what is God doing here and you ask that question again and again what's the father doing yeah and, yeah. and you know I think as well one thing I notice about Jesus is that when he's in those situations as you described there Andre often the the comment is he saw them had compassion and then he does the thing doesn't he whatever the thing is and um and I love that that is underpins kind of the whole of Jesus's ministry is the greatest commandment of loving the father loving the lord our god you know but also loving our neighbor as ourselves and that sense of wherever we are whatever we're doing that that if we're there loving god and loving the people in the moment then um then there is that sense of compassion helps us in our confidence helps us have courage uh, and and also in that creativity in the moment of being able to be responsive to say what does this person need how can we be creative in the way that we respond so that you know something new happens for that person and and having that confidence it's not confidence in our own ability is it it's confidence in Jesus in the fact that when Jesus um when we, we say that Jesus is good news, that we actually believe it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And we look to see where are you at work in this moment, in this person's life, and have confidence to believe that that's concrete and real and true and that, that God really is at work. Yeah. And, yeah, and added on to that, you, the word humility there. There is a humility where you are thinking about how do we serve the people around us and how do we do it the way God wants us to. And I think some some versions of church planting, it's very much, you know, we're going to go in, we've got all these ideas, but there's a real humility to stop. And like you've said, Claire, just do it in a way which I think is more biblical and you see it more, more readily. And no model's perfect, obviously, and no one's perfect, but there is something there to teach the wider church and the wider church planting movement which i think comes more readily in this context and it's not just a case of oh how can we help them (laughs) it's a case of actually they are showing the rest of the church something which is really (laughs) christ-like yeah and i think claire you're basically trying to add a fourth c to michael's three which is compassion it's a shame we can't if if, (laughs) if we could find a word that humility translates with a c then that would be perfect yeah i'll I'll drop him a message and say uh, you need a fourth c yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) more points in a sermon the better (laughs) Amen. amen